Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This understanding of the complexity of it. I was just like, wow, I can learn so much. <laughs> I can learn so much and get so much more drunk. That's right. Yay. <laughs> You'll have to start drinking whiskey now, Jeanette. There you go. Or do you, or do you already drink whiskey? I know you're a gin drinker, but. I do. I like whiskey. Fantastic. Well, I, I heard the last episode that you guys well half of it, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I was at work, so something came up and I couldn't hear the end of it. But in the spirit of the gin drinking and all that, I of course brought a bottle. And uh, I'll enjoy that during this uh the, during this episode. Fantastic. Brilliant. So what's the what's the format here? Am I just gonna be asked questions and I have to be witty and smart? Well, You know, we, we try to be witty if, if we can, but, uh, you know, it's not a requirement. You can be dull and boring. It's all right. Oh, okay. I'll try my best to be dull and boring. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Before you listen to this podcast, be aware this show often uses very naughty language. If you don't like that, you shouldn't listen. Send your complaints to I am a whiny baby with no sense of humor at nightstory.com. Or stop by the studio. I'll take you for a ride to a story of my choosing. Hey, everybody. It's John here from Red Wars Radio. Join me over at the Night Story Podcast. I'm hanging out with Victoria. We like to giggle and ride elevators and stuff. And, of course, tell stories. You'll listen to the Night Story Podcast. This is Diane. And this is Denise of the History Goes Bump podcast. And when we aren't regaling people with our tales of haunted historic places, we are joining Victoria on the lift for a ride to the ninth story. So our guest today is Tanner Campbell of the Legends, Myths, and Whiskey podcast. 
which is just a fantastic combination. Hi, how are you? Uh, yeah, it's a pretty great, uh, pretty great combination. I like drinking and, and I like stories. So <laughs> to put those two things together is really convenient for me. Yeah, that's what we do here at Ninth Story, too. We, we drink and we talk about stories. So it's, it's a lot of fun. It's true. I just I wanted to let you know, Tanner, that when I listened to your show, I felt like I was just hanging out with like literature slash historians and drinking whiskey for a while and just hearing some great stories at the same time. It's like, well, back in the day, but like back in the day, day, you know, like a thousand years ago. <laughs> and then you hear something. It's so cool. That's kind of our the goal because we're not really like that in real life. I mean, <laughs> both Eric and I, well, Eric is actually a, he's a proper philosopher. He has like a degree in everything. I'm kind of an amateur philosopher. So we are high minded in a sense, but we're mostly, we just joke around, have a good time and enjoy each other's company. Um, but we wanted to make the show kind of like that, where you feel like you're sitting in a library with many leather-bound books, as Ron Burgundy oh, would yeah. say. <laughs> uh, and I, I appreciate that that you feel that way about it, because that's really kind of what we're going for. We're trying to focus on the stories, uh, keep it high-minded, keep out of politics and religion, and all the stuff that can come up when you're telling these kinds of stories. And right. really, I'm so glad to hear you say that, because that means a lot to me. That's exactly what I had in my head, except, of course, in my head, you're both like covered in tattoos as well. It's like oh, the well. cool professors are chatting. <laughs> with like flat caps and tweed coats. No, we wish yep. we were there. <laughs> That's awesome. Everything just ends up like extra exaggerated in my head. <laughs> well, that's why you're a writer. That's right. And an artist. <laughs> have you seen Jeanette's work? If you haven't seen Jeanette's work, we're going to have to introduce you to some of her artwork. It's amazing. If uh, if her work is featured on the the lift, the lift, there it is. Yeah, yeah. is are you the person who does the cover art for the episodes? Yeah, some I'm one of them. Yeah, it's really really Thanks. cool. I do like Aww. it. Hey, I got some whiskey. <laughs> it's a party uh, now. Eric and I might have to hire you to do one of the uh, cover arts for a future upcoming episode because we try. Oh, to- that'd be awesome. Yeah, all of our, in fact, if there are any artists out there who would like to do our cover art, we actually pay you to do it. So please tell us. Nice. Love to feature you. That's fantastic. Yeah, actually, um, I was talking to you the other day about your, your children's book and I had mentioned that Jeanette, I sent you, I think I sent you some cover samples and, uh, told you that, you know, she might be someone for you to look at if you're looking for illustrations because she's very talented. Yes, absolutely. That's a big thumbs up there. <laughs> yeah, the children's book is, you know, it's one of those things where I've never, I have written a book before, but it was more of a memoir. It's called Seven Days in Haiti, and it has to do with a missionary trip that I took. Well, I shouldn't say missionary because it wasn't a, a religious-based trip. It was a, uh, what's the other word? A humanitarian trip. Mm-hmm. And I wrote like a 100-page book called, well, I already said it. And that's the only thing I've ever written, which is all really just a compilation of the notes that I took during my time there. So writing this children's book is, I want to convey a message but I don't really know how to do that without blatantly conveying a message, you know, and I don't, it's <laughs> yeah. difficult. I, I can really appreci- appreciate people who write for a living yeah. like you do. Um, I, it's very difficult. I've, I've been working yeah. on it for six months and I think I have two chapters written. Yeah. <laughs> it can be challenge. You know I mean? Sometimes it comes easy. Sometimes it doesn't. Usually when it comes easy, it needs revision uh, is what I find. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. It's brilliant. And then I read it two days later. I'm like, I really (laughs) need to fix all this now. It's like reading old journal entries or something, (laughs) but but much faster. It's like in real time, you immediately regret everything you've written. (laughs) That's correct. So like, 
I don't know. YouTube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about Legends. I mean, Jan- Jeanette and I both listen to the show. Um, mm-hmm. But for those who are listening who may not have heard of Legends Myths and Whiskey, can you tell us a little bit about the show and what you do and what people that tune in can expect from it? Sure. Uh, absolutely. It's uh, it was I was inspired. Or I guess I should say it started out as um, kind of just a passing interest. I really like history, but I don't like the the way that history is conveyed. Sometimes it gets pretty boring and it gets very academic and pedantic mm-hmm. uh, and it kind of makes it difficult to learn about different cultures from way back in the day. And I found that this type of literature, this kind of fake history, even though there are historical elements of it, right? Mythology is essentially a fake version of history, but it's, but it's an important part of people's culture. And you learn a lot about the people by reading the stories. So it started as a passing interest. And this goes back, you know, almost two decades. My grandfather passed away when he was 94. And in the last, like 15, 20 years of his life, he got really into trying to track our ancestry. We're, we're Campbells. We're from the Highlands of Scotland. There's a lot of stuff there. But he got to a point, um, you know, back then we didn't have Ancestry.com. We didn't have DNA tests that didn't exist. He got to a point where he ran into a church burning down. Oh. And he couldn't go any further back than like, you know, I think it's like 16 or 1500, which is still you know, pretty far. But he was really disappointed and he wished that he had started earlier, you know, when he was more able to travel and do stuff like that. And that kind of resonated with me for years without me realizing that it was. And a few years ago, I did a podcast called The No God Cast because I'm an atheist and I was bored and I thought, oh, this will be a really great idea to do. (laughs) But I never really, when I was doing that show, even though a lot of people liked it or I like to think a lot of people liked it, I never really felt like I was, I, I felt like I was a fraud. Kind of. You know, I am an atheist, but didn't feel like I was really in love with the idea of talking about it all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I ended up quitting that for a, a whole plethora of reasons. But a couple of years went by and I thought, you know, I really miss doing that show. And then I realized, well, I don't really miss doing that show. I miss podcasting in general. Maybe there's another topic that I could do to to, you know, to get back into it because it was something I felt I was good at and uh, you know, I really missed it. Um, so I did a little therapy project for myself called Epictetus is My Therapist. It was a podcast of maybe 15 episodes or so where I spoke through kind of monologuing, in a monologuing style, issues that I was having and how I thought about them and getting them out there to get people's feedback. And when I was done with that show, I thought, I feel a lot better about who I am and what I want to do with my life. Maybe there's, Maybe it's time to start a podcast that could benefit myself and other people. And I thought of my grandfather and said, man, you know, there's probably a lot of people out there who, even if they don't think about it, I think they would enjoy knowing parts of their heritage, especially from the more obscure cultures that, you know, maybe if you're a eighth generation Polish person, maybe you don't hear that stuff anymore. But I bet if you did hear it, you'd be like, hey, that's me. I'd really like Mm -hmm. to that's kind of cool. I didn't know that that was ever part of my history and it might get you interested yeah. at an earlier age so that when you're 94, you don't pass away wishing that you'd learn that stuff, you know, earlier. So very sentimental for me, but also very academically interesting to me. And I suppose it's a long winded answer, 
But if you knew how much editing we did, <laughs> you would know how long-winded I am. Oh, trust me. I understand editing. I've gotten a lot more relaxed after doing this for four seasons than I used to be. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I used to go through and look for every um and ah uh, and, you know, just my, <laughs> my friend, when I first started this, my friend Craig was my co-host. And, and uh, I've known him for years. And we would sit and we would record for like two and a half hours. And I'm like, oh, I got to get this down to like 45 minutes now. And so, yeah, trust me. <laughs> I understand what you're talking about. Um, but no, it's it's a great point because, I mean, history is bound into our stories. Um, it's, it's I think, one of the quickest and easiest ways to learn about a culture and what they believe and, and what their core values are um, it, through story. You know, what the, what their legends are, what their stories are, what they consider to be important and the, and the kind of wisdom that they try to pass down through their stories. So it's it's a really great approach to keeping history relatable, entertaining, and fun. And it's, you know, our friend Diane Student who does History Goes Bump. Love that show. Yeah. It's the same type of thing. You know, it's like you bring history in through the entertainment aspect of it. And that's when I look back to my best and favorite teachers, those were the, you know, those were the teachers that I enjoyed were the ones where they could give you something personally relatable and pull you into it. And you were learning without realizing that you were learning. Right, as opposed to now when teachers are, and I don't want to get too political on a show or anything, but where teachers are jammed into this tiny box and they have to follow these rules or they get fired. Right. Because some kid didn't yeah. pass a test that his parents didn't help him study for. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to stop on that. I'll, that's all I'll say about, that's all I'll say about the education. It's a safe place, my friend. You can say whatever you want here. It's all story. But, you know, it's, it's also about we are in a very awesome place in time, right? There's no better time to have ever lived than, than right now. And, Another aspect of folklore and mythology is that it kind of helps you to understand as you move through the decades and the folklore changes how we got to where we are and the silly things that we believed. And, mm -hmm. and it makes you think, man, in, in like another thousand years, how silly is everything that I believe now going to be? What parts <laughs> of my life today are going to be modified and kind of half fictioned to make cool stories for my grandchildren's children's children. You know, right. it's, it's, a, it's a really cool concept. Do you remember a certain story? Like when you first started doing this, I know you, you probably, if you're anything like me, whenever you started putting the show together, you kind of debated a lot about what you were going to include and what your format was going to be. Um, did you spend a lot of time researching the stories that you were going to start the show out with, you know, for your first few episodes? hundred percent. No, hundred <laughs> percent. No. <laughs> um, what I did was, I knew that Greek mythology was popular. I knew that especially in the last 10 years, Norse mythology has become extremely popular. It's probably the most popular one out there. Uh, and then all That's the other Thor ones. Thor is good looking, you know? Thor is a handsome fellow. Chris Hemsworth, right? <laughs> That's, That's right. his name. I like I don't know his name. Right. Come on. I got his poster <laughs> on my wall and everything. Um, like a schoolgirl. <laughs> exactly. Like a hairy schoolgirl. Um, <laughs> all of those all of those other mythologies and all that other legend that isn't Norse or isn't Greek kind of falls by the wayside. And because it's not, people think maybe it's not as interesting, but the thing is that it's just not as full or epic, you know, but they're still really, really interesting. So one thing that I knew I wanted to do right away is that I never wanted to touch anything Greek or Norse until I had had it established that this show was not a podcast that was going to do not that there are many people, I don't think, podcasting in the mythology realm. I mean, there's the Myths and Legends podcast, which is excellent. Mm -hmm. uh, there's Lore, which is not really mythology. It's more like, you know, scary 
history. Yeah. Uh, and then there's um, history goes bump, but that's not really so much mythology. So I, I didn't think that I was competing with a lot of people and I had to come up with something unique. I just knew that I wanted this to be educational. I wanted some of it to be educational. And again, inspired by what happened to my grandfather, I wanted it to be able to reach and be meaningful to as many people as possible, even if only one episode at a time, you know? Right. Yeah. So I guess that was my, that's what I spent a lot of time trying to figure out was, uh, what other ones are there out there? Because honestly, you know, I knew Greek and I knew Norse and maybe I knew a little of the Hindu stuff and some of the Japanese mythology because I have a lot of respect and reverence for how rich a culture the Japanese have. Um, it doesn't get enough credit. I mean, it's every bit as full and engaging as uh, Norse or Greek mythology. Really cool stuff over there. Yeah. Very spooky. Um, but, you know, yeah, I just wanted to, I want to make sure that I include everybody because it's cool to say, oh, well, you know, I'm Japanese or I'm Greek or I'm Norse and that's awesome, trolls and things like that. But, you know, what about the evil eye, which is a story we're going to do, which is I mentioned Polish mythology before, but uh, May 20th is going to feature a piece of fo uh, Polish folklore about the evil eye. And a lot of people will hear phrases like the evil eye or the hairy eyeball, and they don't really know where that comes from. And now they, they might be able to figure out where it comes from. And I think that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. So what's um, part of your research process once you decide on where your next story is going to come from? When you said that you can tell how much research goes into each episode, I was, first of all, very appreciative that you feel that way. And second of all, flattered that you feel that way. And then kind of guilty immediately after because <laughs> I have a full-time job. I'm a network engineer by day. Um, this podcast takes up about, I mean, pretty much Sundays the day I do all the social media stuff. I plan it ahead. It takes like eight hours from 6 a.m. to like 2 in the afternoon to plan out all the stuff that I don't have time for. I have to kind of automate it that I don't have time for during the week. So I'll pick stories. Uh, I pick all the countries at the very beginning of the season. So I knew every country – every culture that I was going to cover um, by the end of December or the middle of January. And then when it comes up, when that's the episode, uh, I say, okay, well, it's time to find a story from this place. And I find the story and I read the story and all that happens in probably three or four hours. And then I might put another hour or two into finding really relevant pieces of history that kind of explain why the story was that way or, you know, how come that story came out of that century? What was going on that made the story, you know, worthwhile? And to be honest, there is not enough research that goes into it. If folks think that there's a lot of research that goes into the show, they would be blown away by, I think, how much we could improve it if, you know, it was a, it was a full-time job or something. If I could spend 40 hours a week on stories, you guys would probably fall asleep. There'd be so much interesting stuff <laughs> I put in there. <laughs> It actually feels like a good balance between like the history of it, the story of it, and then just you guys kind of enjoying the experience together. Yeah, so, it feels it, like you're hanging and, out and with your friends, right? There, <laughs> exactly. That it feels like it's well researched, at least. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I've exposed myself. There's no research at all. No, there's, just, there's just less than I wish that there would be. I wish that there was more. Well, I think what it is is you you've have it down to uh, kind of a technique by now. You, you know where to go to get your resource. That's hard. The hardest part about research, I think, is finding where to go to get the information that you need. And oh once you have that established, I think it becomes a lot easier. Well, this is the problem because there's not enough time yeah. uh, or there's not as much time as I wish there were. For example, in, one, in I think episode four or seven, I can't remember, uh, I had said, oh, next week we're going to do Antarctica. 
<laughs> what? There's no one lives in Antarctica. So I, I go to find a story, and of course, there's no indigenous people in Antarctica. And I go, okay, what am I going to do? I don't want to change it. I had to write a story. And so I, I prelude, well, not preluded, but I, I preloaded the, the story or I prefaced the story, I guess is the right word, um, with the explanation that I'm an idiot. I thought that there were people who lived in Antarctica. Turns out just penguins and researchers <laughs> in very cold labs. Uh, and I had to find a Japanese story that happened in that it was just one sighting of like a cryptid. Imagine if Bigfoot was just one one thing that ever involved Bigfoot and nobody had ever written anything more about it. Well, I found something called the Ninjin that some Japanese whaling vessel had found or claimed to have seen, claims to have seen in the Antarctic Ocean. And I go, okay, well, I guess I better be the first one to write a piece of mythology about this because <laughs> I promised the listeners there's going to be something. So I said, hey, I'm stupid. I wrote this. I hope it doesn't suck. And actually, people kind of liked it. So now That's anybody cool. who uh, – people message me sometimes, like, can we use that story? I'm like, absolutely. Just tell them it's hundreds of years older than it is. You see, a thousand years from now, they'll be telling your story. That's true. That's true, man. Maybe in a thousand years, uh, Antarctica will be the only thing cold enough for anybody to live out anymore. That's right. Yep. <laughs> Could be. So when you're, when you're putting the show together, what do you, what happens if you're working through something? I guess that explains one of the situations where you're working through something that doesn't work, but have you ever had to redo an entire show? Have you ever had any difficulty with, you know, just the story not working or the show itself not working, anything like that? What you just described, and I have a giant wood desk in front of me, so I would knock on it. I just don't want to have to make you edit it out. Uh, <laughs> what you just described is my Vietnam. That is my nightmare. <laughs> if I had to record a whole, because I don't have time. So if I ran into a situation where I had to record a whole new episode, I would just not make, I'd not make the published dates, which are on the first 10th and 20th of the month. Yeah. Uh, so what I try to do is I try to get them done a week ahead of time just in case something happens or in case my schedule fills up and I don't have time to edit. But so far, knock on wood, uh, I haven't had that happen. So you've just jinxed me. No. Well, yeah, I mean, see, what happened to me recently is I do, obviously, a couple of story podcasts uh, where I'm just narrating, and I lost my voice for like a week and a half, and it just threw everything behind um, we actually, the, the episode of the, the, the show that I just put out today for ninth story is, is me with my voice just starting to come back. So it sounds terrible. Um, but that's the, the, like the thing where I was talking to Jeanette earlier, I said, it's like, if you as an artist broke your hand, it's frustrating because you want to do it, but you can't, it's like impossible. Yeah. But I did have, what's that? <laughs> then you find ways around it. Yes. I actually did break my hand once. And I decided that was the time I needed to learn how to draw with my left hand and my mouth and my feet. I can now draw with my feet. Well, at least my right foot. I was going to say, if you left could draw with your mouth, that would be really impressive. I, yeah, <laughs> I could do that. That's a little bit. You'd probably go cross-eyed trying to look at what you were drawing. Yeah, that one wasn't my favorite. The foot was definitely the best option. Like, left hand did a terrible job. My right foot did much better. Really? It's the same side of the brain. That's, Fun fact. That's fascinating. <laughs> You can draw with your foot. Not very well, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> in, a, in a pinch, yeah. Now, in I think pinch. the worst thing that ever happened to me in terms of an episode is I, I had uh, a gentleman that came in from West Virginia. He's actually the uh, the gentleman that sculpted. I have a character that I created 
by the name of Victoria, and she's on the lift, and she's you know on the ninth story as well. But he sculpted her, and he he brought her up from West Virginia, and I interviewed him. And we got about an hour in, and I looked down, and I saw my little red light was blinking. I'm like, I never hit the record button. Oh, <laughs> so, oh my god! It just felt so awkward. It's like trying to recapture what we did that was like brilliant, right. and it's just like, it. yeah, it's just like it's all feigned fake at that point. It's <laughs> right. I could just, I couldn't even imagine. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty bad. So you read a lot of myths and a lot of legend. Do you have a favorite story from from you know the first or the second season so far? Anything that you've learned a lot from or surprised you a lot? You know what's uh, embarrassing is that I'm gonna, and I'm going to tell you because I'm that kind of person uh, <laughs> uh, is that I can't when people say, "Oh man, I really like this story from episode twelve about the such and such," and I would say, "I don't remember what episode twelve was." <laughs> And I don't remember what this person's talking about. I did a story about, you know, Josh did, my first co-host uh, did a Native American legend about the flying head. And I was like, I don't remember. I don't remember that. And I have to go back and look at it and read the notes that I keep on, on the server so I could remember, like, what it was about. I go, oh, yeah, okay. Now I do remember it. So for you to, for you to ask me that right on the spot like this and me not have anything up, I'm kind of embarrassed. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to keep talking as I navigate my website to the episode <laughs> section and pick one of the ones on the first page and hope that that was good. Uh, I liked, uh, <laughs> I really like the um, episode 18, the Sultan and the Red Dragon. Now, there's another story in that. I can't remember which one it was, but I like the Sultan and the Red Dragon because it featured a character that I didn't tell the story precisely as it should have been told because it would have taken so long. Mm -hmm. um, so the story features a guy who has lost all of his children. They've been kidnapped by a dragon and he's, it's like 15 kids or something. Uh, and he's, he's given up on life. He goes out in the desert to pretty much to die, to wander and hope, hope he finds his kids, but he knows he's probably not going to. And he comes to a lake in the middle of the night and falls asleep and he wakes up and there are, uh, a bunch of birds on the lake, right? And they're all talking about how they miss their father. And it ends up that these birds are his kids in bird form through magic. Mm -hmm. uh, and he gets a, he see, he has a dream and there's someone in his dream, a, a dervish, I think is what it was, and says, you've got to go and find the black dragon. You've got to go talk to the black dragon. And the black dragon says, okay, well, you've got to go talk to my buddy, the red dragon. That's my brother. You got to go talk to him. And there's just so much getting to that part of the story and then there's a lot of description about him getting to the red dragon and he climbs a mountain to get up there and and as he peeks his head over the the ridge to look at the red dragon the red dragon blows shit tons of fire at him and almost kills him <laughs> uh, and then at that point he's supposed to have to travel back you know he's supposed to have to go back <laughs> and and the black dragon says oh I forgot to tell you you gotta be like hey the black dragon sends me or else he's gonna kill you so there's like a whole scene that I cut out because it would have added 10 minutes yeah. to the story. And I liked it because I like stories that send people on. I like two kinds of stories. Stories that send people on very difficult quests where these things that shouldn't happen, you know, simple tasks become difficult. I like that. And then I also like when idiots end up on top, like people through complete, like the spy who knew too little kind of thing. You just luck yourself into somehow being in the right place at the right time. And you're like, oh, yeah, I totally meant to do that. And they don't even know how lucky they are. So I like the red, I like the uh, story of the 
the red, the Sultan and the Red Dragon because it was that it, well, had I told the full thing, it would have been the back and forth, which happened like four times. <laughs> and I just cut it out and said that when he got over there, he somehow dodged the fire and, and convinced the dragon that he was somebody he could trust. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's it's funny that you say that because I, I spent a lot of time talking to traditional storytellers that, you know, that's their craft. They travel the country or the world and, and they tell stories for a living to at these festivals and and that sort of thing and you know a number of them that i've talked to have said you have to have different versions of your story you have to have your 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 full story that you want to tell whenever it's the feature story uh you have a shorter version because sometimes you only get so much time and then you also have your rushed version because it started to rain and you need to quickly shift gears and you're outside with all these people and you're like well people are going to start leaving because it's raining now so i got to shorten this and and make the story still work um and it's it's really interesting because it it takes a lot of understanding what the most important part of the story and what the thrust of the story is so it sounds like you know that's what you did you you picked the most important parts that still kept the story whole and, and kept its meaning. Well, for people who like longer stories, so um, Eric and I were talking last night about this because we both of us would like to turn this into something that we do as a source, as our primary source of income. So we're talking about, well, how can you do that without interjecting a bunch of ads or right. expecting a bunch of people to give benevolent donations every month, which works for a lot of people, but what if it falls out from under you and yeah. you quit your job to do this? You know, yeah. so we were talking about that and he said, well, don't people listen to the podcast because of the stories? And I go, oh, without a doubt, they don't listen to it because we talked philosophy for two hours and we cut that out. Nobody even knows we do that. Um, he goes, well, why not find a way to deliver full versions of the epics, you know, the classics, something like the Epic of Gilgamesh? Okay. And I go, well, I'd love to do the Epic of Gilgamesh. And somebody had actually the day before recommended it on our Facebook page. And I go, well, you know, I could probably do the first maybe five pages from that and hope that it had a good stopping point and then I could drop the rest in bonus episodes, you know, for the people who pay three or five dollars a month to be insiders or directors. And those people could hear it. But then the guy who asked for it to be done doesn't get to hear the whole thing. But, you know, there's limited time. It would take a week to read that whole thing and then a week to edit the whole thing. So he goes, well, you know, what if uh, what if we found a way to deliver this content in a way that people could, if they wanted to hear it, they could hear it. We wouldn't have to pay a ton of money to do it. And then you don't have to put ads in your show and you don't have to depend on people to, you know, make it kind of like a publication of the way I tell stories with the music in the background and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. we've got a project coming up where we're going to test this. We're going to do the Epic of Gilgamesh. We're going to do the whole thing. Uh, and we're going to put it as like an album on iTunes or on something where people mm-hmm. can say, well, I'd be willing to pay 10 bucks for that and let's see how it works. Yeah. Because we don't, we don't want to charge people to listen to the podcast. We don't want to interject, you know, the Squarespace ads, which everybody at this point who <laughs> listens to more than one podcast is like, oh, right. okay, how many websites am I going to make? Come on. It's, it's really interesting. I was having a conversation with, with my partner for the Lyft, Cindy, today, and we were talking about that because I have a, a little donate button up on the, the Lyft website. And she's like, well, can we make it a little less obtrusive, um, a little yeah. more subtle? <clears throat> I'm like, well, yeah. See, and, and I, I, I get of two minds. Like, I understand where it can be annoying to have that stuff. But I also have this part of me that's like, what have we done to ourselves as creators and, and artists? <laughs> yes. You know, where we've created this environment where everybody expects this stuff to be free and doesn't want to give you – like. 
I can understand like, okay, I'm trading with an artist. Like, okay, I'm giving you some airtime and you're going to write a piece of music. You know, it's going to help you get exposure. That's kind of like trades working together, but nobody expects to walk into a grocery store and walk out with a cart full of food for free. Yeah, well, the, but they do whenever they get our shows, you know? So the true it, irony, the true irony with this is that, um, and, and I've had this frustration in the past with previous productions and just previous projects that weren't, weren't even podcasting is that yeah. we live in a society that really values the idea of doing what you love. Mm-hmm. Nobody under 30 today is happy to settle with a job that they just kind of slog through. And, oh, my God, they want to kill themselves at the end of the day, you know, but they're doing it because they got to pay the bills. To everybody who's like a Generation X or a millennial, that is such just an obscene idea to spend your life that way. Yeah. But at the same time, those same people, but those same people will say, but I want my music to be free, but I want all the things that I enjoy to be free. And those people who are trying to make money doing those things that they're passionate about are just trying to do the very thing that everybody wants to do, do the things that they love, you know? And yep. when they go and they say, okay, well, support us for $5 or, you know, whatever it is, we're like, how, how dare you try to sell this to me? <laughs> right. And it's, and, and it's like, it's difficult because you agree with it. You're like, well, yeah, I agree that, thing, but uh, at the same time, I want to do this for a living. I don't want to, you know, be a network engineer for the rest of my life, for example. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a weird world that we live in. Uh, I think that it just, the, the answer is to find a really creative way to keep the thing that most people love free and then to create things that are these extras, which is why Patreon is so great. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a weird thing because, I mean, I try different things with different shows. Like for Wicked Library, we have sponsors, but we always put the sponsors at the front and we only partner with sponsors, sponsors that we think tie into what we're doing. So, um, yeah, I mean, so like if I'm if I'm sponsor, if I have a sponsor uh, like one of the sponsors is uh, Sanitary Magazine, and they do—they're a horror magazine. They do horror stories in written form, and so you know we're doing horror stories in audio form. To me, that's kind of like a perfect marriage. You know, it's like I'm doing a service to the listeners by saying, "Hey, there's this great magazine out there that we enjoy and we think you might like too." It's the you know, like you said, the Squarespace and the HostGator ads and stuff like that. It's like, oh, okay, I don't need that. What are you? What are you trying to shove that down my throat for? Um, and then, you know, for, for the lift, we're going to do uh, an Indiegogo campaign because we're going to take the written or the, uh, the stories that we've done in audio form and we're going to put them into written form. We're also going to condense it into an audio book and we're going to do some other cool stuff with it. But it's, it's all about, you know, what works for the, the audience, I guess. And, and that's the hard part is figuring out what does work for that audience. Yeah. And it's, it's a moving target, you know, it's a moving target. We live in a, we live in a world where people want something that is affordable, engaging, high quality. And that's a really hard target to hit, especially yeah. when you're, I mean, like, I'm, I'm kind of lucky. I have a good job. I make a good salary. Um, and I can afford to put a couple hundred bucks a month if I had to into the podcast to yeah. start off with the good quality, which is what we've, we've done. We, we made all the investments before we asked anybody for help. But most people can't do that because for most people, podcasting is like, you know, they want to start off small, get a loving audience, and then hope, you know, hope to God that the audience is going to is gonna help them grow beyond that point. And, you know, that's, it's tough. It's it tough. is. I mean, I don't want to make it sound like podcasting is digging a ditch for ExxonMobil, but, you know, it's it's exhausting <laughs> and it's challenging. It you is. Know, it's, a, it's a mental exhaustion. I think exhaustion. that's any art, any art, any craft. Like, you put 
if you're a musician, if you're an artist, if you're a podcaster, if you're a blogger, all of it is the same thing. You put all of your love and attention and effort into making this thing and hope that people like it. And if people like it, then yeah, it helps it grow. Um, we love you audience. <laughs> Absolutely. But, but that's the thing. Like, uh, I don't remember what my point was. I'm just saying, I really like where that was going, I guess. Let me just drink. She's water. hitting the gin. She's hitting the gin. <laughs> that's, oh, she's hitting the whiskey and the gin. I think she's made a, a like a cocktail. Do not mix those two things. <laughs> Did what, gin and that, whiskey? Ugh, did, no. <laughs> did you know that gin is only vodka with juniper added? Yep. Did you know that? I learned that recently. I, I think I told you that. that. I'm a grown yeah, man, and I just learned that like a week ago. Yeah. That's good but, stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> it is good stuff. I like it a lot better than vodka, and now I know why, because juniper. Yeah, juniper is delicious. Gin always tasted like celery and Christmas trees to me. I could never... <laughs> Never drink it. It always made me think of turpentine, but I, I believe I've told you this <laughs> So story. I drink it every night. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well if you mix it with I, tonic. Yeah. Well, because um, when I was in college, I won't say where, who the professor was, because I don't want to get him in trouble, but he would buy the paint crew um, gin and tonics or whatever. But most of us had gin and tonics at lunchtime on Fridays because he's like, hey, it's a long day of work. Let me just, you know, make sure you're having fun. You may be 19, but it's fine. <laughs> what is and the paint so I always think of paint thinner with turpentine because we'd go from drinking gin and tonics to working with paint and like paint thinner back in the paint shop. Oh, oh, paint crew. I thought you said the pink crew. Oh, no. Paint crew. I uh, worked <laughs> in theater, so I was a scenic artist. Oh, cool. So you built set sets and stuff? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a cool job. That's neat. Jeanette's a very interesting person. She's done all kinds of cool stuff. I wonder. I get distracted really easily with all sorts of creative things. So, <laughs> so I have a question, and this is this is one that I've I've struggled with myself on several occasions. What is the difference between a legend and a myth? <laughs> this is some this is some arbitrary system that I apply. There's no framework to it at all. <laughs> I feel like it has to do with. Okay, let me look at – so some of these things I say the story of. Some of the things I say the legend. I'm looking through the list of recent episodes real quick so that I can maybe try to – okay, so we have episode 15, The Legend of Sun Moon Lake. So Sun Moon Lake is about a dragon that steals the sun and steals the moon and takes him to the sun moon lake and plays with them the way a cat would play with a ball of yarn. And I call that – not because it was, I think it was originally called like Sun Moon Lake. It wasn't called The Legend of. I think I decided that that was a legend because it was very well written and involved a mixture of animals and people. Okay. Uh, and it wasn't, it's not like part of the, it's not ingrained into the society the way that Zeus was ingrained in Greek society. Okay. And it was just a story. So I call something that's somewhere between something you tell your kid. It, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, it's arbitrary. It's really weird the way that I decide to do it. I'm sure <laughs> that there are really strict definitions to this and that I'm doing it completely wrong. But uh, I guess the answer is I don't know. I don't I've know. not found anything consistent. I, I mean, I know the difference between like a tall tale. A tall tale is is kind of a more of an American thing where we Wait, Jeanette take- is raising her finger. Oh, yes, she, is. I she knows a, she's wicked. Def- I'm Googling it. Of course. Um, uh, Wikipedia is going to tell you because <laughs> <laughs> if it's on Wikipedia, it's definitely true. 
Definitely. Right. That's true. a source of myths. I'm and just legends. going to the dictionary. Um, so myth, a traditional story, especially one concerning the early history of a people or explaining some natural or social phenomenon and typically okay. involving supernatural beings or events. Okay. Whereas a legend is a traditional story. Same thing. Sometimes popularly, popularly, popularly regarded as historical, <laughs> but unauthenticated. Or an extremely famous or notorious person, especially in a particular field. And what was the second one? That was a legend? So, like, Blackbeard is a legend. Yes. Hercules is a legend. But the way that Aizanagi and Aizanami created Earth, because that's a creation, that's a myth. That seems correct. Okay. Yeah, so, I guess I can get behind that. There's, there's your... Uh... Or, myth is also a widely held but false belief or idea. <laughs> but there could be truth behind it. Right. Well, like, I dig it. I'm smarter now. I'm smarter than I was three seconds ago. <laughs> Huzzah! Thanks, Jeanette. You're welcome. Thanks, Google. Yeah, it, it, it's it's like you know, folk, ter- folk tales and fairy tales have have kind of the same thing. There's there's a very fine distinction between them. It's kind of like you know, all what is it? All 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 rectangles are squares, but not all squares are rectangles. Yeah, I think that's a pretty apt comparison. Yeah. In so much that it measures the confusion of <laughs> the subject yet. <laughs> so what so is your fine. favorite period in history to, to read and to learn about? Ooh, those are two different categories. You said to read and to learn about. Uh, my favorite period of history to learn about is the, uh, the Dark Ages. Okay. Because there is just such an incredible amount of horrible, awful, completely dastardly, disgusting, obscene things that happened during the dark. I was on Twitter the other day. Never do that, by the way. Close your Twitter account immediately. Uh, and <laughs> I saw somebody, a professor at like a college, say the the dark ages weren't that bad. How bad do you think they were? And I'm like, I think they were pretty fucking bad, dude. <laughs> like, are you... <laughs> All, every creative piece of torture that was ever invented was invented during the you know all, you see these paintings of people impaled and being fed to a devil with a mouth on his head and a mouth where his penis is supposed to be i mean this is a pretty <laughs> fucked up time in history ergo very interesting so i like to i like to learn about that period of time because i think there's a lot to understand about where anglo society has gotten to because that was that was a big influence on anglican society so and because I'm part of Anglican society, I guess I find that extra interesting. Uh, and then to read about, I really like uh, I like French stuff. I like the French folk tales. I like Russian folk tales. Uh, and Japanese, I've already said that I'm, I'm really big into just because I find that their creativity mixed with how specific they are about these very creative things. Mm-hmm. Like they can describe the most ridiculous character. And I'm not going to remember the name, but there's a character in Japanese mythology that has huge claws looks like a bird walks around and all it does is cut people's hair off and you turn around there's nothing there something's cut your hair off but they have a whole bunch of information about this totally non-important character <laughs> and i find <laughs> that really cool yeah i think i know yeah I've, I've i've heard of this um i wish i could it it's like a come Kamiachi or something? I can't remember. It's like that. It does start with a K. It definitely starts with a K. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a very interesting culture, and, and the the stories are 
are very different from a lot of the the stuff that we're used to hearing like you said early on the Norse and the northern mythology there's there's definitely a, a big difference and uh Kasha Kasha Is that uh, that sounds like it. Another cool one is the uh, Sukugo, the Sukumogami. I'm sorry, I always mess that word up. And this is like a discarded item. Usually in an uh, anime films, you will see an umbrella. You know, but the umbrella is personified. The umbrella has like a has a has a soul and can communicate with people and is like a main character in one of the stories or something. Uh, and a Sukumogami is any item that has been discarded or forgotten about. And on its hundredth birthday, on its hundredth year of, of being forgotten about, it becomes sentient and it like becomes like ghost like character or something. Uh, but I think it's interesting because I can imagine in modern Japanese times, somebody saying, where are my keys? Oh man. What, what do you mean? Where are your keys? What do they get up and walk away? What is it? A Sukumogami? <laughs> <laughs> I find that really interesting. It's like that kind of stupid and corny, I guess, but I, I like that kind of stuff. You have some questions there, Jeanette? I'm just writing down notes at the moment. I do have one question, though, <laughs> sure. and it's very, very pressing and very important. <laughs> Out of all of the whiskeys you've tried, which one is your favorite so far? Uh, okay, quick answer. The Lafroig tenure. But I say this with a lot of caution because if anyone who is not really familiar with whiskey or is looking to start trying whiskey, Lafroig is not a fantastic place to start because it tastes and smells like an old leather boot just saturated in tar and seaweed and salt water. So I like that kind of thing because I'm fucking weird. <laughs> uh, but other people would say, wow, this is whiskey. Uh, never again. <laughs> is that a, is that an Isley? Is that an Isley region scotch? It is, yes. It is. Yeah, it all tastes so damn salty. You. I'm going to correct Islay? you, but not to be a dick. No, go ahead. Isla. 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 So it's not pronounced how it looks. It is, no. And even Lefroig, if you tried to guess how Lefroig was spelled, <laughs> nobody sees this. They go Leproag, Lefroig. It's uh, L-A-P-H-R-O-A-I-G. Yeah. It comes in a green bottle. Ten years, they're most popular. Uh, and if you like salty, briny stuff, like if you're just somebody who likes briny taste then then this would be a great place to start because you'd fall right in love with it um but you know it's like a 50 dollar bottle of, of whiskey and i enjoy it a lot but for people who aren't into that kind of thing uh i guess i'd say my favorite bottle um oh perfect uh aberlauer 12 year it's about 45 50 bucks fantastic it's a 40 percent abv and it is brown sugary and appley and a little bit of cinnamon in there and i'm saying this and if you're not somebody who drinks whiskey or if you're not somebody who takes drinking whiskey seriously which is i mean let's be honest everybody most people <laughs> um you're gonna taste it and say tanner is out of his mind it's all made up nothing i can't taste anything that tastes like burning um but <laughs> tastes like and, burning. <laughs> and i was the same way and eric is going through that now because he's always drank whiskey but he's never really taken the time to try to develop the palate. It's like when you go to Starbucks and people say, oh, well, I worked for Starbucks for 10 years, by the way. It's horrible. Um, <laughs> people say, oh, well, you know, the gazebo blend has got lebedy, lebed grass features. And you're, you're like, yeah, right, buddy, whatever. Just give me a cup of coffee and shut your mouth. Um, so it's kind of like that, I guess, which is why the whiskey is is definitely a gimmick for the show. It's something to set us apart from other podcasts that <laughs> do mythology who have their own ways of setting themselves apart. 
um, just try to make us different. And because we like whiskey, we need a good excuse to, you know, spend, spend way too much money. Spend way too much money on whiskey every week. Well, you know, there's no, there's nothing wrong with uh, with, with learning a, a new thing like tasting whiskey. I mean, I, I actually learned quite a bit from listening to the show. And there's tons of resources out there on, you know, you add a little bit of water to it to dilute it a little bit so that you don't get the alcohol burn on the tongue because it just kills the taste buds. And I think that's what most people do wrong. Um, and, and I think it was, I think it was one of the shows that you did where you were talking about, you don't actually breathe while you're drinking it. You know, it it takes like a second, but you're basically, you don't want to like pull air through, right? Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, if you think about fire, you add oxygen to fire, it's going to make the fire worse. And I mean, obviously we're not talking about open flames in your mouth, at least I hope not. (laughs) Um, But when you, if you... There's a so there's a liqueur out there called Aftershock. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of it, but it's mm-hmm. absolutely horrible. It's like Goldschlager personified, some Arctic. Oh, it's stupid. Um, but if you drink it and then you breathe in deeply, you basically have an asthma attack when you breathe when you breathe in after drinking <laughs> this. And people think it's novel. That does not sound like fun. <laughs> it doesn't sound like fun at all. Um, I forgot where I was going with this. What were we talking about? Um, burning yeah. tastes like burning. <laughs> not breathe, not breathing whenever you oh right. You're drinking. So when you introduce a large amount of air into your alimentary canal, which is everything behind your face, um, after you drink whiskey, it's going to light all that stuff up, and it's going to make it more burny, not Sanders, but burning. <laughs> and it's uh, you know it makes it unpleasant. Yeah. And I was going to add that if you don't like Scotch whiskey, which is most of what we review here, and that's not really intentional. It's just that it's delicious. It's delicious, right? And Eric actually asked me this question the other day. He goes, "Well, I mean, I don't. Know. What does even bad whiskey taste like? Everything that you've done so far has tasted good. It tastes fine to me." And I go, "That's because there's not a bottle in there that costs less than fifty dollars. You want me to go out and buy a nineteen <laughs> bottle of Hamilton's Lowland whiskey because I can do that, and I actually had a bottle and I let him taste it. He goes, "This is horrible," and I go, "And I don't want to review that because I don't want the show to be about saying bad things about any." buddy or anything and why i'm you know if you don't have anything nice to say keep it yourself kind of deal so <laughs> chances are if there's a whiskey on the show even if we give it the lowest score we've ever given was like a 75 <laughs> like the lowest will go a c but you, chances are it's probably pretty good you know there are uh there are two videos that we're going to include in our in our show notes Jeanette, because uh, it, it yeah. speaks to this topic uh, one of them is called how to drink whiskey like a sir which is hilarious. This guy, he just, yeah, he just like throws the first, he like swishes the glass out and just throws it over his shoulder. And he's like, get rid of it. Get rid of the, you got to clean the glass first. And then he yes, pours that's, it in. That's a hundred percent true. And I'm like, I, yeah, it'd be nice if I had the kind of money to just like throw the whiskey away. Uh, but it's not a, uh, it's not, well, there's a way to get around that. You can certainly just, uh, if you Google, I can't remember the process, but you know how wine has a sommelier. Mm-hmm. Well, beer has a Cicerone. A Cicerone is to beer what a Somali is to wine. Mm-hmm. And there is a process. It's called like the three-way something or other. I shouldn't have said three-way. That's going to put bad thoughts. Don't Google three-way. Don't Google three-way. Three-way and whiskey. Oh, well, um, <laughs> whiskey leads to three-ways. <laughs> you remember when search engines, you could Google anything and yeah. there was no Google. It would just return porn no matter what. <laughs> yeah. How, where do I buy a new mailbox? Porn. It's a, like, <laughs> no way you can get around it. Um, but there's a way of cleaning glasses where you have three separate sinks. Obviously, I'm not saying you need to have three separate sinks in, in your in your house. But you first you rinse the glass 
first you first you rinse the glass, then you wash the glass, and then you wash the glass again and dip it upside down and then straight up, and you come out and it, it actually gets clean, streak free. And if you do that with your glasses, which I'm kind of anal about, uh, then you don't have to pour ever so small amount of whiskey, swish it around and throw it out because the idea is that the alcohol kills any dirt that might be collected around the inside of the, you know, the inside of the glass where you're about to pour the 13 centiliters of scotch you're about to try, which is way less than before. <laughs> yeah, we also have um, Scotch Experts Review Cheap Whiskey, which is absolutely hilarious. Oh, yeah. I've seen that one. Yeah, whatever good. you're <laughs> – it's just – yeah. They're like, uh, tastes like – I think might one of them might have been tastes like burning. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's also one called women drink whiskey for the first time, but that's kind of misogynistic, but it is pretty funny. The look on the faces. I don't <laughs> know about that. I think that most women probably don't drink whiskey. So you get a bunch of old grandma looking types and you say, Hey, I try this whiskey. It's like those, uh, those ones where you see old people trying weed for the first time. <laughs> that's not necessarily ageist so much as it's funny. <laughs> I will say the first alcoholic beverage I tried was whiskey. Yeah. Really? I do, you, do you remember what kind of was? <laughs> Mad Dog Twenty Two. No, that's a that's a wine. Uh, it's probably probably something like uh, Old Granddad or something. I don't know. What, old you, Granddad whiskey. <laughs> yeah. What did you have? Yeah, it's a real thing. No, I had Wild Turkey. Well, well there you go. Wild, dude, I was like, wild let's turkey. try this. This is wild delicious. Wild Turkey is the is a so that's an American bourbon uh, bourbon whiskey, and it's what started me liking whiskey because uh, Wild Turkey eighty proof. The one hundred one is just kills the taste, and makes it no fun, mm-hmm. but you will get really drunk really fast. Uh, wild Turkey 80 proof bourbon, um, is really sweet. It has a very sweet character to it and mm-hmm. it mixes so extremely well with Coke. And now the idea of mixing whiskey at this point in my life seems completely like a sacrilege. I would never do that. But <laughs> back then I could, you know, I went to Florida State. Sorry, everyone who doesn't like Florida State. Yay for people who do. Um, when I was on campus there, I, w- I was known for being the guy who would show up with a bottle of wild turkey and a two liter of Coke, and four hours later, both of those things would be empty. And it was like, oh, that's that guy who can't control anything he does because of our house. It's a guy that's on the internet searching for porn. <laughs> porn and mailboxes. Find that mailbox. That's, that's right. <laughs> Uh yes, we we've gotten down a level on here, and then we're we're on the seventh story now. Well, no, I mean that's okay. I'm drinking Tam Dew right now. <laughs> so the more of that that I have, the you know, the worse my conversational skills are going to be. <laughs> so what do you have planned for the uh, for the rest of the season this year? Ooh, do you want me to tell you? Because I'll be glad to do that. Yeah, what can we look? For? I mean, you don't want to spoil it, but you know, let's let's tease people a little bit. Yeah, I would love to do that. I'm a story tease. Um, I'm going to pull that up on the website right now. If you go to legendsmissingwhiskey.com, spelled out completely, and whiskey in this case is spelled with an E, because I think that's how most people spell it. Right. Uh, and you go to the blog. Right at the top of the blog, there's a pinned post that will tell you everything. Well, not every story, but every country and or culture that's being pulled from for the rest of 2016. And for us, a season is February 1st to December 20th. And then we take December 20th to February 1st off just because, you know, holidays and spend time with family. That's a good idea. So to d- let's see. We just did the 24th episode, and that was Morocco and the Netherlands Antilles. We just released the American Deep South and the – oh, no. So next is episode 25. That's the American Deep South and Moldova. Then we have Poland and Malta, Greece and Algeria, Alaska and Senegal, Canada and Macau. Peru and Lithuania, 
the Philippines and Latvia, Syria and Estonia, India and Poland, Ireland and Denmark, Austria and the Cayman Islands, the American Northeast, so that'll probably be a ghost story, I would think. A lot of that up there. Nice. Uh, Slovakia, Papua New Guinea and Lebanon, Libya and uh, this is actually a country I'd never heard of, so forgive me for pronouncing it completely incorrectly, Morit- Mauritania, South Korea and Martinique, Scotland and Argentina, Japan and Armenia, Nigeria and New Zealand, Puerto Rico and St. Lucia, Ghana and Montserrat, Honduras and Nepal, Namibia and Fiji, and then the last episode of the year is Hungary and Tonga. Wow. So major range. And that is I, a lot. None of yeah. them are really planned ahead at this point. They're just, we know that we're going to look there for the stories. Yeah. That probably helps narrowing it down. Otherwise, it's kind of like I have the entire history of mankind to certain <laughs> right. stories. And that's kind of the cool thing. That's one of the coolest things about doing this is, okay, well, once I've done one from every country, uh, there's still like a billion I can do. Yeah. Well, you had some, uh, you have some really cool Twitter posts that you do with the uh, mythical figures from different cultures. Yeah. So I spend every Sunday morning, I, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but on Sunday I wake up at 6 a.m. and I write two blog entries, one newsletter, and I schedule all of the social media for the entire week. So if you go to our Pinterest, which we don't really advertise, but you can if you like, uh, if you go to our Pinterest, which Pinterest.com, however, I don't even know how their address system works, uh, you know, LMAW podcast. And, uh, it's you'll see everything we've ever shared pinned as an individual thing to one single board called World Legends and Myths or something like that. Uh, so I'll wake up on Sunday and I will search through Pinterest, trying always never to repeat anything. And I think to date I've only repeated two things. Eventually it gets really difficult because you get really, really obscure and you have to either start broadening what's included. So I started to include cryptids because originally I was against doing cryptids. Then I realized, why would you do that? It's kind of cool. Yeah. Bigfoot is a Someone's big history. Story. Yeah, right. Um, and I'll schedule 21 posts for Twitter, 21 posts for Facebook, 21 posts for Google+, which I spend no time on, and I'm sorry, Google+. And then uh, one post every day for Instagram. And then I just hit, I just put that on autopilot because, I mean, I would love to do it in real time, but I yeah. don't have the time. And then it just releases. And then the only thing I have to make sure that I do is when people respond or ask questions, I have to be available to answer those questions. And you would be our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com forward slash LMAW podcast. People are crazy active on that page. There's like 4,300 likes and they're always asking questions and making requests and sending messages. And do you guys have a Facebook page? I imagine that you do. Yeah. Um, you know how you get penalized if you don't answer a message <laughs> fast enough? Four yeah. days. Yeah. I know. It's crazy. Dude. You have to, here's the trick. You have to put the away mode on, but it only lets you put away mode on for 12 hours at a time. Uh, so after 12 hours, you got to turn off, turn back on. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> it'll say, takes seven years to answer a message. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, oh, but it did. Oh, come on. Fast. It took me one hour. <laughs> Why is that so slow? <laughs> but if you're in away mode and it takes you four hours, it doesn't penalize you. Ah, uh, okay. That took me a good six months to figure out. That's a great hack. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Can I ask you guys something about your show? Sure. Yeah, of course. So I've only listened to a couple episodes, but I totally get the impression that your show is designed to be a show that 
targets storytellers and artists and people who are creatives themselves as opposed to the general public. Is that true? I'd say that's accurate. Yeah. I mean, there are some folks that are just into, you know, they love story and storytelling that listen. But yeah, for the most part, I think that it's always kind of been geared towards other people that are trying to create content and and create content. I hate to say content because yeah, it's, it's, it, it, yeah, it sounds so, so cold, but yeah, other folks that are creative and, and want to make cool stuff, want to tell story in whatever form they want to tell story. Yeah. I feel like we're talking to storytellers and to people who want to share stories a lot of the time. Like that's why I started listening to the show. It's like, Oh, tell me about the behind the scenes. Great. Yeah. Well, I like in the last episode how I'm pretty sure it was you, Jeanette, that you said that in the middle of listening to an interview, you pulled off to the side of the road and wrote like two chapters at a truck stop. Yeah, I did. (laughs) I'm like, first of all, what time was it? Was this dangerous? <laughs> that was my first thought. I'm like, oh my god, it's two a.m. and she's at a truck stop. That wouldn't be that. I was like, lock me. the doors, Jeanette. Lock the doors. <laughs> yeah, I, I had uh, an interview that I did with Gwendolyn Keist, who's done some stories for. That was her name. Yeah, she's done some stuff for the Wicked Library and for the Lift, and um, we had talked for a while about getting her in for an interview. And uh, I did an interview, and, and I let Jeanette listen to it first because she wasn't able to be in the studio or on the, on the uh, phone whenever we did the interview. Um, so she got to listen to it first and she was so inspired. She pulled over, started writing, which is yeah. fantastic. That's what That's we awesome. want. Yeah. I wish that I could inspire people to stop driving, pull over to a Barnes and Noble. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> if somebody said, if somebody said, Oh, you've inspired me so much that I purchased a book. I would say, Oh wow. Cool. I feel like I'm in the yeah, universe awesome. is better. <laughs> I'm sure you've done that. I mean, and you inspired me to go out and buy the proper glasses to drink scotch out of. So, Oh, you bought the Glencairn glasses? I did. I got four of them. Cool, man. They're wickedly expensive, aren't they? It's kind of a shame. You know what? They were actually – I went to um, Bed Bath & Beyond. It was it was so weird. <laughs> yeah. It was so <laughs> weird. They had a sale like right after you talked about them on your show, and I was like, huh, nine bucks a piece. You can't beat that. It's like eight oh, ninety wow, nine. Yeah. yeah, they were like eight ninety nine. So I got four of them, and it was the last four that they had. Well, I nice. would like to believe that my extreme influence had uh, forced Bed Bath Beyond to have that sale. That's right. Uh, gonna, that's the myth I'm going to tell myself. And you also kept me from buying rocks to put in my glass. Yeah, those things fall apart. If you drop them once, you might as well throw it out. Yeah, they'll just slowly crumble. Ugh. That sounds awful. And you after know, after learning that you insane. want to dilute it a little bit anyway, you know, I don't mind having a little bit of ice in there if I want to cool things down. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. People get maybe some people get uppity about it. Oh, you never put water in a single malt scotch. No, shut up. There's water in the single malt scotch anyway. That's right. What's a little more gonna do? <laughs> the alcohol's still there. That's right. And you can drink more of it now because you don't know it's there anymore. So why don't you throw out some links for? I know you, we started to do a little bit of that, but throw out some links for your show, and um, you know, let folks know where they can interact with you. What, what your favorite social media platform is for interaction? Okay, I'll do like a quick. I'll try to get it done in one minute. <laughs> and um, go. <laughs> okay, legendsmissingwhiskey.com. The most important thing at the top of the page. It says get extra content every week. That's a newsletter. Doesn't cost you any money. You just put your email address in there and say, become an insider. You get that every Wednesday at 7 o'clock. And it's awesome. And I don't spam you with garbage. And I don't sell your email address to anybody. 
Okay. After that, you're going to go to twitter.com forward slash LMAW podcast. Twitter's awesome. I'm probably most active there. I'm most active there. Uh, Facebook, I'm also very active on Facebook, but the community is more active than I am. I'm always in like respond mode. I was like trying to have to <laughs> don't miss anything or they're going to think that you hate them. Uh, so facebook.com forward slash LMAW podcast. And then Google Plus, I'm not even going to give that out because I think we have, I don't know, I don't even know why I'm on there, honestly. <laughs> Someone I, please I, I update it when I remember. Center. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not my priority. And I, I think oh. that a lot of people, Twitter and Facebook is like the big thing. I mean, when we, I went to a, a podcasting seminar and, and, and one of the things that they said is, you know, Facebook is like 80% of the time that people spend on the internet. So yeah, yeah. that's where your audience is. It, it, the content lives forever there. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Facebook responds to pictures. Mm-hmm. That's the, if you log into your Facebook right now, I guarantee you go to your home screen. There's like a bunch of pictures, jokes about cats and somebody's <laughs> posting a political meme and somebody else is posting the opposing political meme. It's like a, it's like a war zone in there. Uh, and, and then the last thing I would say is if you like the show, Leave a review and tell us because we are super responsive to what people on iTunes or Stitcher, uh, even though everybody seems to review us on iTunes, we're super responsive to what people say. Now, that's not to say that if you say we suck, we're all of a sudden going to stop podcasting. (laughs) But if you have constructive criticism, we do read everything, every email, every review. um, And, you know, we want to make the show the best it can be. And you folks are the judge of what the best is. And we... You know, we try to we try to do what you tell us to, yeah. <laughs> while not compromising. You know, not compromising quality. And then, uh, I mean, that's it. I could tell you to support the show if you like it, but I feel like that would be crass. I'm not going to do that. Well, Bad form. I- I'll say support the show if you like it because it's a great show, and it's one of the ways that we as creators know that people are actually out there listening and they care enough about the show to support it by either telling a friend about it, reviewing the show. Or, you know, money's always nice, too. Helps buy scotch, right? Yeah. Yep. Money is almost as good as a retweet. Yeah. Retweets are like gold. Yes. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you taking so much time and, and, and talking with us. It was a lot of fun to talk to a fellow lover of story and, and just get some understanding about what goes into the show and how you make it, why you make it. And, and that's really cool stuff. Well, I appreciate both of you guys having me, Dan and uh, Jeanette. It was really cool to meet you guys and to talk to other people like you just said who enjoy doing the along the same lines as what i do it's cool great to meet you thank you so much Societies rise and societies fall. When the time comes, one society steps forward to build a better future. The Wicked Library, Kettle Whistle Radio, Night Story Podcast, Prog Watch, Red Horse Radio, The Lift, History Goes Bump. Listen, the M Writing Podcast.
Society 13. Rebuilding Society. One podcast at a time. Whiskey. And then let it go down. Absolutely fantastic. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.